Episode 130, How to Best Handle Customer Complaints, Seven Ways to Say You Are Sorry. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. So good to have you with us today. And Jason Jennings, always great to be with you. Uh, Dale, it's great to be back with you after a, a very busy 10 days on the road. Last week, we talked about you giving the commencement address in Michigan. And I want to know, how did it go? Uh, It was great. I mean, it was an experience of a lifetime. Uh, Very humbling. Uh, One of the things I love to do is every time I have an opportunity to take a behind-the-scenes tour of a a factory or see something produced or something manufactured, uh, I'm all in. I've attended many, many graduations over the recent years, but it was great fun and, and fascinating to, to have this behind-the-scenes or behind-the-curtain look at what goes into pulling off a graduation with uh, you know, 10,000 attendees in the audience and uh, huge graduating class and hundreds of garbed faculty uh, and, and lunches and dinners and receptions. Uh, it, it's, it's really a work of art with many, many moving parts. Fantastic. Well, I did watch it live online, and you did a a tremendous job, and it was fun to see, and I'm sure you gave, well, I know you gave all of those graduates and their families something to think about and definitely something to make their lives better moving forward. So let's let's dive into our topic today, and uh, tell me that we're talking customer service and ways to say you're sorry. I know in the last, just in the last few months, we've heard some horrible ways businesses have said, I'm sorry. Uh, but let's, let's talk through what brought this topic to mind for you. Uh, Dale, uh, we received uh, an email from Nick Staffis, Director of Portfolio Financial Group in Australia. And uh, his text read, love the podcast. And he said, something happened a couple of weeks ago that made me think of a topic that I don't think you guys have covered yet. What happens when a company gets the inevitable complaint? What is the right and the wrong way to handle it? And how can you convert it into a positive for both the customer and use it to enhance the company culture? I think it's a fascinating question, don't you? Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Uh, number one uh, is front customer-facing, frontline personnel have to receive an immense amount of training, and they have to be taught not to say or do stupid stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a great example. I'm not sure if you remember uh, Lululemon and, and its co-founder, Chip Wilson. They were receiving a, a lot of complaints uh, about a, a new garment that they had released. And so he went public and said... Uh, the sheer fabric uh, in the design wasn't designed for all kinds of women's bodies. Uh, in other words, he was saying, you might be too fat for our pants. Uh, he was out. Women became enraged, and the share price tumbled about 50%. So, I mean, I, I, I think first and foremost, everybody has to be present and, and measure their public words carefully so you don't end up saying stupid things. Uh, let me give you an example from this week. Uh, I was on the East Coast in Baltimore, staying at a hotel. It had been a very, very intense day. I, I, I had a speech. I, I had a lot of meetings. And I, I got to the gym. And finally, it was about 8 o'clock in the evening. And I realized that I hadn't had any food since lunch. And so there was no way I was going out for a dinner. So I called down for room service. And they told me it would be about 45 minutes. 
Well, 45 minutes later, there was no food. And so I called down to the room service, and they told me uh, it's on its way. You're number three in the delivery queue. Uh, It's already on the floor. Well, 15 minutes later, I call back, and uh, I get somebody else. And I said, I was told it was on the floor 15 minutes ago. It's, it's going to get cold. No, your food is not on the floor. Your food hasn't been prepared yet. We're, we're very slow tonight. And I said, well, how, how could I be told it's on the floor being delivered? Now you're telling me it's not out of the kitchen. I mean, how much longer is it going to take to get out of the kitchen? Well, give us another few minutes. And I said, well, what, what are a few minutes? Uh, we'll have the food there in 10 minutes. Well, 15 minutes later, the food is still not there. So I called downstairs, and I said, could I talk to the manager on duty, Uh, MOD? Everybody should know about the manager on duty. Every hotel's got a manager on duty. And so this person jumped on the phone, and I said, I "I wanted to talk about room service. So the phone rings, and this person comes on the line, and I said, so you're the manager on duty. And the person said, no, I'm not the manager on duty. I said, oh, a mistake. I'd asked to talk to the manager on duty. And the person said, well, I know you're calling about room service, but the manager on duty doesn't take phone calls about room service, we have whoever is available on the front desk take complaints about room service. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. That's called uh, passing the buck and kicking the ball down the road. And, you know, two hours later, I mean, I finally got food, and I was so angry. I mean, it was almost impossible to eat. So, I mean, don't say or do stupid stuff that gets you in trouble. I mean, uh, most of the problems that companies get into are where everybody's singing off a different page or outright lying. So that's number one. Number two, I, I mean, you really have to know what the guiding principles are uh, of the company and what the company stands for. And uh, I go back to an example I shared with you a few weeks ago. I was recently doing this keynote uh, speech at a conference. The person in front of me was talking about the five or six or seven guiding principles of the organization. And uh, and he said, and I quote, he looks out at this eight or 900 people and he said, now I'm not saying that all of your people have to know them, but they should at least be familiar with them. Now, what in the hell does that mean? I mean, if you've got five, six, or seven guiding principles that are going to determine your conduct and how you react in situations, of course people have to know them. I mean, otherwise, it's an absolutely ridiculous exercise. Number three, I mean, you really have to learn how to say you're sorry and mean it. I I think back to uh, Bob Engel at uh, CoBank, who I wrote about uh, in my book, The High Speed Company. And, And let me read you just a couple of paragraphs. He said, uh, this is about as painful as it gets for a guy like me, Engel says, but I have to tell you a story. A few years ago, we learned that some of our people had crossed an ethical line in terms of getting market information about one of our competitors. Legally, he said, I I can't go into the details, but their actions were clearly not in keeping with our corporate guiding principles. Once their behavior had come to light, we took heavy action inside the company. We came clean with the board and our bank regulators, and some otherwise good people ended up leaving CoBank. We instituted a new ethics training and compliance program and hired a chief ethics officer who answers to the board directly. But he said we didn't stop there. We took a step that many companies deemed unnecessary. We settled with the company very, very quickly. He also asked the board to claw back a portion of his own incentive bonus for the period. Ultimately, he said, as the CEO, I'm the one responsible. And no one will know we're seriously sorry unless we take heavy action. A bad experience weighs five times as much as a good one. So to get someone back to equilibrium, you can't be stingy. You have to be substantial. You have to take 
heavy action. And so you really have to know how to say you're sorry, and which brings us to point number four, you have to use the A-team. You can't say that our manager on duty doesn't field complaints about room service and that it's handled by the first available clerk on the front desk. You have to use the A-team. These are the people with the stripes on their shoulder. These are the people who can actually make something happen. Number five, the, the reason that that most people don't feel good when they make a complaint is because nobody listens. You really have to listen. There's a, there's a technique I'm not going to get into uh, in detail, but it's called draining. And I mean, that's just picture draining something. It means taking everything out of something. And, and so, so you have to ask someone, tell me what happened and, and tell me again. And then, and then what else happened? And I mean, so why do you feel this way? And how else did we disappoint you? I mean, is there anything else I need to know? Am I missing any part of the story? Just shut up and listen to somebody, listen to their complaint, fully comprehend, be present, have a sense of empathy, feel what they're feeling as they're telling you the story. Listen, really listen. Number six, don't jump to resolutions or you're going to squander all the goodwill you built by listening. So what did the person on the front desk tell me when I, after two hours, hadn't had my food, wanted to talk to the manager on duty, and I was informed that a front desk clerk, as they're available, handles complaints about room service. And before I could even tell her what had happened and that I'd been waiting two hours, she said, well, number one, we can always cancel your order. Well, now it's 10.15 at night or 10.30 at night. Right. I have had no food. I mean, so canceling the order is really not an availability. Or she said, we can give you 20% off. <laughs> now, you know, she hadn't even heard me out, didn't know what I'd gone through, and she was already prepared to offer me 20% off. I mean, which would have been the equivalent of what, two or three or four bucks. So people could, and, and this has happened to you. I mean, if you call a cable provider, an internet provider, if you call anyone, before they even hear your story, they want to send you a gift card. I mean, one of these 5 or $10 gift cards that they know that most people are not even going to cash in. So don't jump to resolution or you squander all the goodwill you've built by listening. So listen, really listen, and then number seven, back to uh, back to uh, Cobank and Bob Engel. You absolutely have to take heavy action. I mean, you have to involve the top troops in this. Why are you going to allow uh, customer-facing people who make eight, nine, ten, or eleven dollars an hour? I mean, to carry the reputation and your brand, and you're basically giving your reputation and your brand, and you're putting it in their hands. So why don't you have somebody uh, up the hierarchy uh, involved? And I can tell you the reason why. People up the hierarchy don't want to deal with it. They are they are scared to death to deal with customers. And the further they move up the hierarchy within an organization, the further away they get from customers, and they forget how to say you're sorry. I mean, so... Number one, don't do or say stupid stuff. I mean, your people really have to be constantly trained. Let's not shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, number two, uh, everybody has to know the guiding principles. I mean, if they know the guiding principles and values of the organization, you're not going to get in trouble. Number three, you have to learn how to say you're sorry and, and mean it, really mean it. Number four, you have to use the A-team. You have to be able to listen Really, really listen. Don't jump to conclusions and offer them a $5 gift card, for God's sake. Hear them out. And then, number seven, take appropriate and heavy action, and that involves using the top-line people. So I want to I go back 
um, a couple of observations and, and a deeper dive into your point number three about saying sorry and you mean it. And there are... Um, in this day and age of people being so scripted and thinking they've got to spin a message whenever there's a crisis, and, and I'm going to use that word crisis in the broadest of terms because in the moment of a complaint, it is a crisis for the company and it's a, it's a crisis for the customer. We're all either uh, in a crisis, leading into a crisis, or coming out of a crisis on a, on, a, on a wide scale. But so often I hear, I'm sorry you feel that way. Right. And, and that's you know what I want. not... Yeah, that just drives me crazy when somebody says, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm a very passive person, uh, I, th- I think, in, in most areas of my life, and I, uh, I've never gotten in trouble physically. But when somebody tells me, I'm so sorry, or I'm sorry you feel that way, I want to slug them. I mean, it's the most disingenuous patronizing words I've ever heard in my life. And at some point in time, I would just look at the person and say, I don't want to have you say, I'm sorry you feel that way. This is what happened. And I want some form of action. I want some form of explanation. And you're telling me that I'm sorry you feel that way is the most patronizing drivel that I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, you need to stand up for yourself. Mm. So transparency and authenticity is important in the language chosen. And and I would encourage companies to go and really look at the language that people are going to use, uh, especially in a customer service situation like this. And then in previous podcasts, uh, I want to go back to using your A-team. And, and you made the comment that people higher up the chain of command don't want to deal with the customer. But in a previous podcast, we talked about the importance of getting your hands dirty. And, and wouldn't you say that if, if you, as, a, as the A team or the executive team, are used to getting your hands dirty, meaning you're used to interacting with customers, that it's a lot easier to get engaged at this level when you've got a customer service issue than just to wait to get into a customer service issue. So it's it's leading a life of habitual, getting your hands dirty, dealing with customers, working with customers, and knowing customers. Uh, we have pointed out on uh, many podcasts in the, in, in the past that the number is actually 50%. And uh, if you go 50% into the world, of your time should be spent working with customers, getting your hands Fifty percent of your time, of any executive's time, should be spent front-facing with customers, with people, keeping the finger on the pulse, asking the question, what else can we do to help you? I mean, I go back to Bob Engel. I don't know if I've ever told this story. I don't think I have. Uh, but Bob Engel, who, who recently uh, retired as CEO and chairman of CoBank, I, I would ca- I, I'd have reason to call him on, on many, many occasions. And uh, I would say, Bob, you're never in the office. I mean, uh, Luella always says that you're traveling or you're gone someplace. You're, you're never in your office. And he said, well, Jason, it's the darndest thing. He said, every time I come in the office, he said, I, I look behind the couch. I look under the table. I look in the closet, and I've never found a customer. And he said, why do I travel all the time? I've, I've got to be out there talking to our customers. And so what happens is uh, in the companies that we've identified uh, for my books, uh, great leaders spend 50% of their time uh, front-facing customer-facing 
people facing, and and then they're not reluctant, they're not afraid to talk to people when something happens. And to those people who would protest, I mean, well, if I spent 50% of my time talking to customers and talking to people and being front-facing, when would I ever do my job as the CEO, or when would I ever do my job as the owner? And I say, bunk. I mean, it's, it's all garbage. What it's, is your it's, job? Yeah. Uh, that, that's exactly right. It's all made-up stuff. It, it's all made-up stuff. It's all stuff designed to make you feel very important. I mean, take a look at your calendar. Most of those meetings you don't need to have. I mean, they're just designed to make you feel good and, and bolster your ego. The real work is out there with the customer saying, I mean, how else can we help you? What else can we do for you? If we disappointed you, how did we disappoint you? How can I make it right? What can we do? Mm. And then one last thing, when we talk about taking heavy action, that's empowering everybody to be to, to be fully engaged and to make a difference. And I'm thinking about yeah, hotels that give their front-facing people the ability, you know, a $2,000 budget to make things right with the customer when there's a problem. And it's, and it's being purposeful about equipping people to do this work. But see what it comes down to. I remember when Ritz-Carlton pioneered that, uh, and it's probably 20 or 25 years ago, where uh, somebody working the door had the ability to go to $250 or $400. Somebody in the front desk had the ability to go to $500. A housekeeper had the ability to go to $600 or $700. A a floor manager, an assistant manager had the ability to go to $1,000. And uh, I mean to make things right. And 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 you know what every other CEO at the time said? Oh my God! I mean, we'll go broke. Our people will give away the store. And in saying that, you've just revealed something about yourself. You don't trust your people. You don't trust the people you've hired. You don't trust the way you've trained them. You don't trust people, which is why you will not empower your people. I mean, to uh, to move to a resolution. And the reality is. When people are properly trained and people love where they work and they love the brand and, 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 and they feel like they belong to something important, they are not going to squander your money. You'll actually find them being very careful with your money. They will feel empowered that they're able to, but they're not going to be out there giving away the store. They're absolutely not going to do it. Uh, but if, if, you, if you can't give your people the resources to make something right, that means you don't trust them. And in saying that, I guess you probably don't deserve to have the job you have. Absolutely. Well, this is a fantastic list, a great way for us to think about new ways to approach the crisis, the customer complaint, and how to work through it and really win a customer for life. I think a lot of this deals with understanding the lifetime value of your customer, another point we've talked about in the past, and honoring that and working to keep that customer. And it means understanding we're going to make a mistake once in a while, but we got to make it right. So, Jason, thank you so much. Any final words for us? Um, yeah, I, uh, I do have a couple of final thoughts. Um, if, if, if you go to my website, you'll see that uh, we love to get great testimonials for speeches. Uh, we like to brag a little bit. I mean, when, we, uh, when we're able to exceed a company's expectations, you're going to find the story on our website. Uh, there are some stories that can't be told. Uh, and a number of my clients and, and my work with uh, the executive committees and with the boards of directors and with the CEOs, um, it's, it's of a more discreet nature. And so you can't be proclaiming that stuff on your website. And that was one of the events that I had this week. And it was, it was 
fascinating to me that I was working with all of these people, and they were all saying words that sounded vaguely familiar to me, and uh, and, I, I'm, and it was kind of like, in some respects, having some of my words spoken back to me, and and it turns out uh, that uh, every one of them, it had been required reading to read the uh, the High Speed Company, uh, my most recent book, and then they had a whole series of conversations and workshops internally, even before they brought me in. And uh, I was reminded there's a lot of power in the book, uh, The High Speed Company. You'll find out everything you need to know about uh, having a purpose, having a set of guiding principles, uh, communicating, uh, dealing with customers. I mean, the very topic we talked about today, coincidentally, uh, you'll find in The High Speed Company. So I thought I'd do a shout out for that book. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'd ask you, as a listener, if you have not subscribed to this podcast already, would you go to whatever tool you use to listen to the podcast and subscribe. Uh, it'll show up uh, automatically on your device about every Sunday, uh, Monday at the latest, so you get the latest episode. Hopefully, you have realized the the impact and the value of the conversations that we have here. Also, today's podcast originated from a listener question. If you notice that, we ask you to Ask us questions, and you can do it really easy through Twitter at hashtag AskJasonJennings. We're watching that, hashtag AskJasonJennings in Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And you know, Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can find out how to arrange to have Jason keynote your next event or leadership conference. Learn about his fees and availability. Also, just check out his website jason-jennings.com. Click the contact button and follow the instructions right there. So thanks again for joining us today. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Treat your customers right. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.